Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful? It is still that. Okay. We're not doing Rose Buddies again. We haven't changed the format again. It would be, at this point, frankly, babe, pretty irresponsible for us to change formats once again. Um, And this is a podcast where we talk about good things going on in the world. I think this is probably the first recording we've done in a very long time where we both have big Tammy Taylor-sized glasses of white wine (laughs) just at the go, at the ready. Um, you haven't done this yet. You haven't, you've not sort of recorded a mm. podcast since it popped off. No, uh, not, not post pandemic. I've done a couple now and it's a, it's a, it's a strange vibe. It's a strange, it's a, this show, I think we try to focus on the good things that are happening. Yes. And th- th- that is not to say that there aren't good things happening, but I worry that there's a, there's a notch on the meter, right? Uh-huh. And that notch reads goop. And I do, I'm really cautious about this yeah. podcast hitting the mm-hmm. goop the goop threshold. Yeah, we we have danced close to it for Ooh, sure. Yeah, we've danced <laughs> with the goop in the in the pale moonlight. <laughs> but it feels like the the more sort of serious things get, and the more actual like genuine suffering is happening out there, where I talk about how good pistachios are. Ooh, that goop line of coming. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't really know how to fix that. I don't really know how to walk We also have to be sensitive to the fact that some of the things we talk about are more difficult to access now than they were before. Of course, yes. So we will try and be conscious of that and try and do our best to kind of be sensitive, I think. This this podcast for... Okay, I'll I'll speak personally. Like, this podcast is, um, is one that I never really stress out about making, um... And that's not to say that, like, you know, making Taz and Bim Bam and Besties is, like, a miserable experience or anything like that. But, like, I'm a, I'm a genuinely, like, anxious person. And uh, my anxiety about the world, it's hard to sort of keep that separated from the stuff that I make. And so with Mabim Bam and Taz and, and, and everything else I do, like, it's really hard for me to completely put that aside while I am making the thing. But because of the nature of this show and because of the person I make it with, uh, that is not true for, for, for this podcast. And so like, for me, it is, um, it is, it is still, it is still very, very good to be making this show. Like that hasn't changed. Like I'm anxious about the world pretty much all the time, uh, pandemic or no. And so I don't, I don't think we should necessarily change, well, we're doing too much, but just know that we're, you know, we're thinking about those who are having an incredibly hard time with this, um, much, much harder than us. And uh, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think we can still talk about things that are good because I think there's also a lot of people who want to hear that. Yes, I think that's true. We just got to watch that goop mark, don't we? If we are <laughs> trending towards the goop mark, please do not like sleep on telling us. We're going to do our best, though. Yeah, there's a difference between saying, I like lemons, and lemons will save you. Mm-hmm. And just make make sure that we I are... I guess that's a good point. <laughs> um, a lot of people have been, like, asking us, like, how we're, how we're doing. Uh, I've been doing some streaming, and, like, a lot of the comments are, like, asking how Rachel and Henry and I are doing, and we're, we're doing very well. Thank yeah. you for we're your healthy, concern. We're healthy, we're safe. Uh, we, we, since we got back from the uh, Joko Cruise, which was... Uh, I think a, a, a sort of story that we will never sort of f- forget being on on that while everything yeah. else was happening and sort of how it, it, it hit us and the surrealness of that experience. Um, but as far as I can tell, like I haven't heard any reports of anybody 
getting sick on, on as that of, cruise. As of this recording, As yeah. of this recording, we're, you know, we're a couple weeks out. We have been basically in complete quarantine, uh, aside from like one or two grocery trips for yeah. like 10 or 11 days now. Um, and we're all doing, we're all doing very well. Yeah. Um, we're trying to sort of like a lot of you like put together a rhythm, put together like a, a semblance of normalcy to yeah. this, to the best of our abilities. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're only a, a couple days into that, I would say, but we uh, thank you for your concern. We are doing fine. There are lots of other people who need that concern more than us at yes. this moment. Small wonders, small wonders. I mean, I actually wanted to give a shout out to somebody who doesn't listen to the podcast, and that is Sarah, who is watching Henry for us while we both work our jobs. Yes. Uh, We desperately needed a childcare solution, and we found a wonderful woman that is helping us out every day, and it it has made this whole thing a lot more manageable. It is a a very nice, it is a very part-time arrangement, uh, which again, I know a lot of people don't have access to, so we are lucky in that sense. But it also means that, like, we are having to figure out how to do our jobs in essentially like half the time that we use to do them. Uh, But that's really nice. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to talk about Animal Crossing. Um, Well, I feel like that's your domain. For me to step in as like a carpetbagger and say, (laughs) I've got a great new thing I want to tell my listeners about. And that's this game that I play. It's not one of my topics. It's one of my topics is kind of adjacent to it, but we're going to be doing this week's besties is all about animal crossing. And we'll be talking Mm -hmm. about it then it is unlike, uh, not, I'm not even talking about the game now. I have not experienced anything quite like the, um, it's a buzz, the cultural sort of phenomenon, the extremely localized, extremely time specific, cultural phenomenon of every time I turn on my switch, there is no joke, 20 people playing this game all at the same time. And that is like, you uh, have a lot more friends than I do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And that it's everyone. Like I turn on my switch nobody's playing anything else. All 20 people are all playing animal crossing. And um, I am playing too, by the way, Rachel's playing too. She's Mm -hmm. got a a nice little, nice little Island going. Maybe I'll Mm -hmm. dip in on the next stream that we do. Um, and I've never seen anything like it, like Halo, Destiny, like any big game that has ever come out that has like a bunch of online stuff. Like I have never seen this level of like saturation of people just kind of needing to be in that space for a while. Yeah. And that is, it is, uh, as a person who loves games and as a person who like loves this game franchise in in particular and is using it as a sort of like escape uh, it is like breathtaking to see that it's indescribable, but I'm going to talk at length about that game tomorrow morning. So I should save a lot of my most erudite thoughts for mm. then. Mm. You want to spin this bad boy up? Yeah. Am I going first? I've already forgotten. No, I am going first this week. Okay. According well, please, to wonderful.fyi. Please spin this up then. Uh, it is a, it is a transition that is, uh, kind of seamless because my first thing, uh, that I want to talk about, both, both my things this week are sort of a reflection of where I'm at, uh, as, as being in, in quarantine for almost two weeks now and having a little kiddo at home during that time. My first thing is online video games. Uh, so Animal Crossing New Horizons, I have been playing online and it is really neat and fun to just kind of like see who's got their gates open. That's how it works in Animal Crossing. If you want to play with other people, you can just open up your gates. And then if anybody wants to, then you just dip on in. I've done that. I've played with people who I haven't necessarily even like met or hung out with in real life. Mm-hmm. And you to know, be fair, you did share your code. 
on Facebook. Yeah, oh, but okay. I, I I did not sort of a widely broadcast that. Yeah. Uh, and it is neat because even though like some of these people that I've been playing with, like I have not talked to or don't like off, often talk to, uh, we are all kind of doing the same thing for the same reason. And so it is it is somewhat charming to be like, hey, in this moment, I just met you and this is crazy, but do you need <laughs> these oranges? Because I noticed that you have pears and I would love some of those pears. Mm-hmm. Like it puts you on the same level and it is a like full-blown rainbow connection that Yeah, I the adore. game allows you to like give little gifts to other players. And so it's like a really nice gesture and and when I play with my friends and like being able to chat in there, like that has actually tangibly sort of helped me out, you know, socially speaking, since we have been uh, in in isolation here. And honestly, like that has been true about online games before any of this happened. Like um, in my like most introverted days. Uh, online games have always been like a very valuable resource for me to like scratch a certain social itch. Um, and I think that I think that throughout most of my life, like I am a person who kind of craves social interaction in a way, but I am so like anxious about going out and getting it. Like I am so anxious about putting in the effort to go out and uh, arrange said social interaction. And so I think online games have sort of like helped me get around that. Um, I remember like, I think the first one I really got into was EverQuest, which was like this original online RPG that I played with my brother's older friends. And I thought I was so cool because I was hanging out with my cool older brother's cool friends. Only they were like wizards and shit. And uh, like that was, that was big for me. I played a lot. Did you ever play the Sims? I don't know if we've talked yeah, about I this. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. There was an online version called yeah. the Sims online. Never Didn't, did that. That's probably good. Cause it got pretty, um, <laughs> it got a little nasty in there. I, I got a little, imagine it got a little raunchy, got a little raunchy, got a little rambunctious. Let's just say the woohoo was, uh, just woohoo and off the walls. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but like I was super into, I, I had my own little cafe. And I was like so into having like my own little cafe. Uh, And in that, like I mostly played with like, you know, internet strangers. And that is like, I guess one way of scratching the itch. But then like Halo 2 on Xbox, I was playing with my friends. I was playing with like the jocks at my high school who like used to be my friends in middle school. And now we had like caught up with each other on the other side of the nerd bridge of just like, hey, (laughs) we don't we don't really like fuck with each other anymore because our lives have gone a different path. But like Master Chief is still both our best friends. And so now we can still party and pretend like we've got it like our friendship never sort of trailed off. Uh, and like, uh, World of Warcraft obviously was like a big, a big one for me. Like I met people on that game just because of how much I played it for how long that like, I actually was like emailing with them. I think I'm still on an email chain that hasn't obviously had a new email in like seven or eight years, like with these people that I met in, in that game, the first year I started playing it. Uh, and then destiny is like a, another online shooter that like, I still play with my buddies back home. Um, and I, keep in touch like with certain people just through that game. Uh, So like, I think, you know, I love games in general and I love the idea of playing games with my friends and using that as like a way of being social with people. Yeah. And this, this week in particular playing animal crossing and, and, and a few other online games, some, some, some final fantasy 14. I know there's some wonderful fans out there who are into that one. Um, it is, it makes me feel like, 
on some sort of base level, like less lonely. Like it makes me feel like, I, I think there's different levels of social interaction. And then there's the, there's the like deep intimate social interaction that you get from like having a, a really deep conversation with a really good friend. And then there's just like the kind of social interaction of just like seeing a character move across the screen and knowing that it's a real person pushing a button on a controller to make them do that. It's faint. It's like a ghost of a, of, of an interaction. But like even that at times is soothing to me. Uh, and so that's the thing that I'm like just really kind of kind of grateful for this week. Yeah. No, it's it's been it's been cool to be a part of that. You know, typically when Griffin is is on some kind of cultural game you know, wavelength, I am not. Uh, and so it's been kind of fun to be in it, you know, and Griffin's like two days ahead of me, maybe. Yeah, you're, you are not far behind me. Yeah. And so a lot of times he'll be like, hey, did you see this thing? And I'll be like, wait, now I have. It's like yeah. fun to kind of like check in with you on games, which is something we've never had before. It's true. Uh, but like also Justin and Travis are both yeah. into it. Like I don't think they've ever really played an Animal Crossing before. Like everybody's playing this game, y'all. Yeah. Um, have you been over to Justin's? Uh, I've not. No, I have not visited. I'm I curious because I remember you telling me his previous game was not particularly um, uh, finessed. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, <laughs> what is your first thing? My first thing is Clarence Birdseye the Third. Clarence Birdseye the Third. Yes. The name sounds familiar. I may just be thinking of Clarence Carter, which is not. The- you may also be thinking of Birdseye Foods. Uh, Clarence Birdseye kind of perfected the art of making frozen food. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This is also, I imagine, influenced by the <laughs> yes. the fortnight that we have been living through. Yes, yeah. Uh, frozen food was something that was a big part of my childhood. Imagine that. <laughs> Continues to be. Um, you know, when both individuals in a relationship work full time, uh, and you're kind of coming up for air at the end of the day, frozen food is like kind of the... The nice option. Yes. Um, and Birdseye made it so that it actually tastes pretty good. Hey, okay. I do want to hear about these innovations. Which is not something that used to be true. Uh, it's Clar- gotten good. It's gotten so much better than mm-hmm. it was when I was like, I don't even feel, I love cooking for you and I love like having a nice home cooked meal and it's so yeah. tasty and good. But like, it's gotten to the point where I don't even feel that guilty anymore no. about having like a big Stouffer's. <laughs> Or we do a lot of meals that you can like, you know, pair with rice, for example. Oh, yeah. You know, and so then you have kind of like a fresher element and then the frozen piece and it just kind of... The rice is like, don't worry about it, guys. (laughs) They're with me. We're all fresh here, right? Uh, Okay, so Clarence Birdseye, kind of an interesting guy. So he is the sixth of nine children, uh, which was not too uncommon. This is, you know, early 20th century. People were fucking... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, from childhood, he was obsessed with science and also taxidermy. Huh, I guess which, if you think about it, <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man, I've never thought about it that way. <laughs> uh, he apparently taught himself taxidermy through a correspondence course. Hmm. Uh, and then at age 11, he started advertising his own courses on the subject. Okay. Like he really got into it and then kind of became an expert at a young age and started teaching others the art. That's something. Uh, So he went to Amherst College uh, and became kind of really into insects in particular and started collecting them. And his classmates all started calling him bugs. Uh, There is a biographer named Mark Kurlansky who has wrote 
extensively on Bird's Eye, and he said that Bugs became Bob, and then apparently after college, he never went by Clarence again. Instead, went by Bob. Bob? Mm-hmm. How do they get from Bugs to Bob? Well, you know how it is with nicknames. As the early, it's the 20th century, man, earliest 20th century, those people just say whatever. Because <laughs> uh, everyone talk like this, see? In the 20s, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, everyone talking like this. Oh, I've been coming over here, Browns. Uh-huh. It could, you can see that. So that. bugs could sound like Bob. Yeah, when you're talking like this in the 1920s, mm-hmm. see? Come here, bros. Mm-hmm. Come here, bros. <laughs> yeah, good. I see you're looking at them, uh, looking at some of them frozen peas there, bros. <laughs> you know? That's good. That's really And they're doing good. a little Charleston dance. Get over here, bros. I'm transported right now. Yeah, it's like the Great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, at home, Griffin is shaking one finger. Yeah, it's, times, it's, it's really times. adding. Hey, bros. Adding to the accuracy of the impression. Running Carolina. <laughs> Get over here, Bubs. Charleston with me. This is getting worse the longer it goes. Yeah. Uh, so Birdseye went to Amherst College and then was hired by the U.S. Agriculture Department to survey animals in the West. Uh, he also worked with an entomologist and captured several hundred small mammals from which the entomologist removed ticks for research. <laughs> And then he, in turn, isolated the cause of Rocky Mountain spotted fever. <gasps> hey! That's a little connection to Griffin McElroy. That's true. I had mm-hmm. them. I had that particular mm-hmm. um, uh, mountainous fever. After the ticks, he went to Canada and spent a lot of time researching food preservation by fast freezing. Uh, and this is because he was with the Inuit people learning how to ice fish And he discovered that in those really cold temperatures, he would get the fish out of the water. They would freeze almost immediately. And then when they thawed, still tasted fresh. Huh, interesting. So previously, uh, frozen food would happen kind of slowly, which would really compromise the quality of it. Um, Freezing occurred slow enough that ice crystals would start to form. And that would damage the tissue structure of the protein okay so you know how like when you get something out and it has that freezer burn on it and yes. then it like never tastes as good yeah that usually happens because it's it's lost that like flash frozen you know process yes okay and the and the the fast freezing is what like keeps it from getting like mushy and dry when it is thawed okay i mm-hmm. never thought of that being particularly difficult to achieve. but It's smaller ice crystals. So slower freezing, larger ice crystals, which are more detrimental. Faster freezing, smaller ice crystals, less, you know, detriment to okay. the product. Okay. So he, 1922, establishes this company to do this, to freeze the fish. Uh, and then two years later, his company went bankrupt because nobody was like interested in it. You know, people didn't have fridges. Yeah. You know, they didn't really understand the value or really need it at that time. Uh, then comes World War II. Oh, man. Uh, there's a shortage of tin because of the war. Uh, and then also women were working more frequently and spending less time cooking. Right. And frozen foods was a, a real appealing option. So now it's like... You know, if you kind of follow that progression, like Birdseye really was ahead of the game in a big way. I would love a supercut of Rachel's segments and the points at which she has said, and then came World War II. <laughs> I feel like it happens a lot. You, you'll be talking about, you know, the can opener. And you'll be like, yeah, and people weren't really interested in the can opener. 
Mm-hmm. And then came the big one. Mm-hmm. Airplanes? Yeah, we love them now. I think it, it's... But then came World War II. What I appreciate, I mean, I, I appreciate Bird's Eye's persistence, you know, of like really kind of hunkering down and continuing to pursue this because he knew that it was a good idea. Yeah. Um, but also, like, he creates this innovation that becomes very, very relevant um, in a time of, like, great challenge to the country. So yeah. it's kind of, it's like an optimistic way to think about how these kind of big, challenging moments in history can kind of lend themselves to greater innovation. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll get some sort of frozen food innovation as some right. new frozen. Maybe the hungry man dinner will step it up or something <laughs> to fill in the gap for us. I'm very thankful yeah. to Clarence. Um, we've had a lot of meals at Clarence's expense mm-hmm. as of late. And um, I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have frozen the food that good, could I have? I know. I know. I could have frozen it pretty good. I think we right? can all agree. Right? Like you get it kind of cold and then you get it a little bit colder and then maybe it's a little bit colder and then it doesn't taste good. I could make a sort of like tilapia slurry. But if you get it cold really fast. Ah, that's the secret, isn't it? It's ready to go. Can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis, um, website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, can I read the first Jumbotron here? That please, is for, please do. Well, this one is for Chloe, and it's from Lauren, who says, Chloe, my best friend and my spooky sidekick, thank you for making my life so wonderful. I'm so proud of you for landing an awesome new job and being an overall badass. I can't wait to cause more mischief, go to more horror-themed bars, and finally watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies with you. I love you so much. Can I ask you a question about Lord of the Rings movies? You may. So I have not watched them, as you know. Yes. Is there a way, like with the Harry Potter movies, to just jump in mid-trajectory? Mid, uh, like jump into the middle of the, the two towers? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> that would be... You really got to start to finish, watch every single one? Yeah, you kind of do. No. Well, here's why. Because if you jump in the middle of the two towers, you'll be like, who the fuck's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? What are they doing? Who's that? What are they doing? Okay. Why is that tree walking and talking? Who is that? That eagle is also a wizard. Why is he glowing? Why is he Jesus? So kind of worst idea of all time, grownups too, kind of. No, because these are fantastic movies <laughs> that are incredibly good. It's not like they're watching it in the wrong way. Well, okay, you could argue that they're watching it in the wrong way. What, uh, can you read the second Jumbotron? Yes. This one is for Ian. It is from Kate. Hello, darling. Ian, you're my very favorite person and the most wonderful part of my life. I love you so much, and I'm excited we get to spend our lives together. Let's have pasta for dinner tonight. Always yours, Kate. You know, the schedule's been a little bit weird lately, our recording schedule, so I hope Kate has not just been sort of preparing big bowls of pasta, just waiting for this episode to drop. Um, just always got big old boxes of rigatoni, elbow macaroni. I mean, pasta keeps really well, though, right? So, like, if it's okay if she did. Why does so much pasta end with oni? Macaroni, uh, rigatoni, fettuccine, <laughs> lasagna. You working on, like, a tight five? <laughs> I don't think I could get five minutes out of that. I just said lasagna. I don't think that's, I don't think there's an anything, I don't think there's a next joke. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man, sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. Also influenced by uh, our our week this week, I'm going to talk about pillow slash blanket forts. Oh. Yeah. I was worried this would actually be a dupe. I was worried you were also going to bring this one, but um, apparently no, I'm in the clear. Well, we've been doing it quite a bit, haven't we, to entertain our, our child? We have, yeah, but I don't have a lot of history with them. I guess being an only child, maybe it's not as big of a yeah, thing. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, if I created the fort, it would just be me sitting in it. 
And then it'd be me taking it down and putting it, you know, like there's not a lot of magic there. Yeah, I guess that's true. We did, I guess most of our fort building was a sort of communal activity mm-hmm. between between bros. Um, I, I feel like it is um, having a kid our age, really a kid at most ages, uh, having to be, you know, uh, not able to go anywhere for a very long stretch of time here. Uh, we are having to learn how to get better about just like constantly having some some shit to do. Yeah, so here's the thing with three-year-olds. Uh, their attention span is very short. Yeah. So the quicker you can execute an activity and the easier it is to take down, the better because most activities last about five minutes. I got Henry this a little um, synth made for kids uh, called blip box that I saw an ad for. And I was like, that looks so cute. And I bet you Henry would be into it. And he played with it for about five minutes today and set it aside. And I've reached the point now where I'm like, okay, that's five minutes. Maybe tomorrow we'll get five more minutes out of it. <laughs> but if we have 60 of those things, yeah, 65 minutes I know. is a lot of the, of the day, his waking moments. Uh-huh. And then we are, we are in the clear. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like Blanket Forts is a really rich vein. We got like 20 minutes out we of We got that. a lot of minutes out of <laughs> Blanket Forts. Uh, I, so when I was younger growing up, we, we did build ourselves quite a few blanket forts. Did you um, use couch cushions like we did? Couch cushions and blankets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not like a purist between, you know, there's a lot of people arguing about blanket forts, pillow forts. What can, what can you use? What can you, like anything's on the table <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, we had a, uh, we had a bunk bed. Me and, me and Travis, uh, shared a room and had a bunk bed and that is like a blanket fort builders, like sweetest dream. Cause it's just like yeah, a lot of structural integrity can be lent to a project by a bunk mm-hmm. bed it is essentially sleepy scaffolding if you think about it oh, and Griffin. so TM, TM, TM. TM, TM, please don't take that uh there is something very therapeutic about just taking something that you use all the time in your house for one specific thing and then trying to discover like a structural soundness to it like trying to be clever enough to make couch cushions stand up and support uh-huh. a, a tent or a, cause you know, you get cocky. You're like, I have an idea. I'm going to put these two couch cushions <laughs> and I'm going to put one on top of it to hold it up mm-hmm. like a deck of cards. And then that falls and cr- just crushes your boy. And the boy yells <laughs> and cries cause the couch cushions are on him now. And you're like, no, I flew too close to the sun. There was a point when we were doing this activity where Griffin had a vision that he really wanted to execute and Henry had limited interest, but I really wanted to see it myself. And so at a certain point, even though Henry had moved on, I said, Griffin, will you please, will you please do this? I have to see it. Yeah. You really wanted me to cross the finish line, even though the rest of the cars had long since left the track. It's like that cake song. Uh, it is, I just like, uh, I think this goes back to like, I think I did a segment on like um, when you're younger, having like a personal space, having like a rec room or like your bedroom to design for yourself is something that is very um, enticing. I think that there is something to that for the, for the blanket fort that is like gets in your bones, like gets in your DNA. And even when you're an adult, like building a blanket fort, uh, I guess it's just nostalgia, right? Like thinking back to the little spaces that you would make for yourself to like carve out for yourself. Uh, because making these blanket forts made me remember in our rear neighbor's backyard, 
uh, there was like a weird shared yard between all of our our like entire neighborhood's backyards, and in the like very far back of that, that there was this huge honeysuckle bush that was essentially like kind of hollowed out. So we took uh, like cardboard boxes into like the hollowed out space to like kind of build a, a a barrier around it to like form a little room in there. And me and my like neighbor friends would like go in there to like chill and hang out and play Game Boy with our little bendable Game Boy lights and stuff, uh, and and eat snacks and stuff and it just made me think about that and i've not thought about that in 25 you know years like you just saying that reminded me the time i must have been in elementary school i went over to my friend tasha's house and she lived a few blocks away from like a refrigerator appliance store yes and we got a bunch of refrigerator boxes brought them back to her house and made this huge refrigerator box fort in her front yard and then her little brother systematically destroyed Isn't that it. How it fucking goes, man. Box by box. And I remember realizing at that moment that I was so grateful not to have a sibling. Yeah. Because I just couldn't imagine the cruelty. We had such an incredible fort. Yeah. And it was gone so I fast. Didn't, for what it's worth, I didn't fuck with that. Like, I was a. I was a. If You're my brother's, a team player. I'm a team player. Also, I didn't want my brothers to. My brothers are bigger than me. And that's just mm-hmm. like, I respect this sort of. Um, evolutionary sort of line of logic there of just like they're bigger than me what am i supposed to do trash their shit no no (laughs) i'll delete travis's final fantasy 7 save off the memory card when he's 30 hours in that's one thing but i'm not gonna like blow up his blanket for it that's a whole different (laughs) kettle of fish um yeah i don't know i just i i i enjoy i have enjoyed building blanket forts this week i have enjoyed doing it because it is also a challenge that is very approachable for me of just like how how big can I make one of these? It's like things? easy to clean up, you know. It's and like, if it falls down, yeah, it's just blankets and pillows. And as listeners may remember, we do have that sectional couch, so we have a lot of cushions. Got a lot of cushions to work with. There don't are we? so many opportunities that we haven't even tapped yet. A little round for my tastes. I wish we had. If I could go back to when we chose our, the couch we would have uh-huh. in our room, I wish we had gone with a more sort of. Square I would love to have that bearing. conversation with the saleswoman. Yes, just like, please. Um, we are planning on building forts, ma'am, uh, just so you know. I looked up the biggest, uh, according to Guinness, the biggest <laughs> blanket fort ever <laughs> built. I want to asterisk. I want to put an asterisk next to it because I looked it up. It's from, I guess, a media like production company called Murder Boat Productions, which like threw this huge rave uh, in the biggest blanket fort ever built. They were trying to beat the record in late 2018. The fort was 6,736 square feet. Big. Quite a big, quite a big blanket for it. But I watched a video of this like rave, and most of it was just like, like canvas stretched over like these big metal geodesic domes. That ain't a fucking Guinness called that the biggest blanket for. I don't, I, I disagree. I don't think they had like blankets like hanging from it, like hanging down like banners. Like, see, there's our blankets. Give it to us, Guinness. I think that's BS. I think everything involved in the Mm. process. And then I watched like a a BuzzFeed video that was like, here's how to build a badass blanket for it. And they use like dowel rods, like a bunch of dowel rods and stuff. And like dowel rods is like the outer limit of like what I'm willing to consider. No, it's supposed to be like stuff you already have in your house. Well, they were like, you can also use a broomstick, but they use dowel rods. So like, come on, Mm y'all. Come on, y'all. Don't say you can substitute that shit when you're not going to do it yourself, BuzzFeed. And this is the problem with journalism today. What's your second thing? My second thing is a trip to the Poetry Corner. Oh, God, I've wanted to go so bad. Uh-huh. Do you want me to sing my song? Yeah. A boom, 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 bo
I've never gotten ASMR that bad before. <laughs> that was fucking wild, babe. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that to help me go to sleep. <laughs> I'm glad that I really put a lot of thought into it, if you're going to be listening to it over and over again. This week's poet. Yes. Lucille Clifton. Nope. Ah, shoot. Don't know that one either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing like 20, 21st century poets too, like I in know. the hopes. Well, you know, I'm all about like the mm-hmm. enlightenment, like the poetry of the mm-hmm. of the dark mm-hmm. ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dark age is known for their poetry. <laughs> well, no, but that's what makes the stuff that really rose to uh-huh. the top so special. Uh, Lucille Clifton grew up in New York. Uh, and met her husband through another writer poet named Ishmael Reed. Ishmael Reed also uh, connected Lucille Clifton to Langston Hughes. Okay, uh, they were all part of this like drama workshop uh, in Buffalo, New York. And so when she shared some of her poetry with Reed, he in turn shared it with Langston Hughes, and then Langston Hughes included it in a collection of poetry that came out uh, in 1966. And that kind of like springboarded her into, um, into the community. Uh, in 1967, she moved to Maryland, and then in 1969, her first poetry collection, Good Times, came out That's and was listed by the New York Times as one of the year's 10 best books. That is a good name for a book of any kind, especially coming out in 1969. Like, nice. Like, <laughs> so good. Uh, she has kind of long been known for her kind of uplifting, you know, very, like, humanity-focused poetry. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, she... Uh, has also written a lot of children's books, by the way. What can you give me one that I might know the name of? I cannot. Okay, was not my focus. The name actually sounded kind of familiar, but I uh-huh. like I wanted to like try and pull it, but I just cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, became in 1988 the first author to have two books of poetry named finalists for the Pulitzer Prize. Wow! So in the same year, it was like, oh hey, both of these books are under consideration. Uh, when In 2007, when she won the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize, the judges said, One always feels the looming humaneness around Lucille Clifton's poems. It is a moral quality that some poets have and some don't. Uh, so Lucille Clifton um, wrote a lot of really great, kind of easy-to-access poems, um, but I wanted to pick one that I thought was particularly uplifting, that people might enjoy it. This one is called Blessing the Boats. At St. Mary's, may the tide that is entering even now, the lip of our understanding, carry you out beyond the face of fear. May you kiss the wind, then turn from it, certain that it will love your back. May you open your eyes to water, water waving forever. And may you, in your innocence, sail through this to that. That is really good. Mm-hmm. I like I like that sail through this to that. Yeah, I find that kind of really um, profound of of just the, this kind of like temporary, but very present moment that you are in, and then going to the next. You yeah, know? it's applicable to a great many things, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in an interview with Antioch Review, 
Clifton said that she writes because, quote, writing is a way of continuing to hope. Perhaps for me, it is a way of remembering I am not alone. Uh, And then when asked how she would like to be remembered, she said, I would like to be seen as a woman whose roots go back to Africa, who tried to honor being human. My inclination is to try to help. Very prolific, wrote wrote a lot of poetry, but but as I mentioned, also wrote a lot of children's books. Uh, And then I guess just passed away about 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, But uh, I feel like, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity to like find poets like her that are writing kind of about the human experience in a way that can kind of... I don't know, lend itself to reducing your isolation, yeah. you know? And so I wanted to bring that and just kind of, you know, shed some light on a really great poet that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yeah. Well, uh, our friend at home named Anna says, since working from home, I've been reminded just how wonderful the sound of the mail truck is. The slight rev up and deceleration sounds as they get to each mailbox are distinctive and mean that postcards, letters, or other goodies will be dropped off. I do like that. It's very good. I mean, it's true for uh, delivery trucks in general and also is now like a a heroic anthem of people who are doing like a job that is like virtually unthinkable at this time and are uh, actual heroes. Can I tell you, I also feel that um, the other day I heard the sound of a truck coming down the street and raced out to meet it with our trash can. And I almost missed it. And I was so grateful for that sound. <laughs> yes, I guess it is. A, it is a good, I always hear that. And it always fills me with fear of just like, is it out there? I don't know. Uh, and uh, uh, this one, this one's a little uncommon for this segment, but I wanted to read it. Uh, Dara says, because I don't know if you saw this email. Dara says, I've been uh, teaching as an adjunct English and composition instructor for about two years since leaving grad school, though I love teaching. I felt like I could be doing more. Your podcast episode talking about your journey to grant writing and your successes set me in motion. I did an internship for a small nonprofit last summer and then found this amazing school in Detroit who was giving me the perfect opportunity to grow my skills and serve education in a completely new way. Not only have I found grant writing to be exciting, but it turns out I'm really good at it. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. I thought it might. Uh, yeah, Tara is a, a grant writer and only kind of like learned about the profession through your your bit oh, about that's it. so great. You know, I've had a few people writing. reach out to me because it's not a very well-known profession and it's kind of mysterious on how you break into it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think, it, you know, you don't have to get a degree or take any particular course. You know, if you are good at communicating and kind of passionate about an organization's mission, it's it's something that can be really fulfilling. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited that other people are discovering it. Yeah, me too. Uh, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you so much, Maximum Fun. Uh, if you haven't checked out a lot of the shows on the network, I would really encourage you to do it. Um, you know, I always recommend Stop Podcasting Yourself. Um, you love that show so I much. I love it so much. And it's just like, it is always good to listen to. Yeah, it's a very good pick-me-up pick mm-hmm. me up show. They're good boys. They're good boys, Rachel. They're very good boys. Uh, and yeah, we obviously had to push back the uh, Max Fun Drive. Uh, and if you are already a member, uh, we did put up our bonus episode of Rachel talking about Animal Crossing New Leaf. Yeah. Oh, and if you checked out the McElroy Family YouTube, 
you might have seen Griffin streaming the new Animal Crossing game, and I make a little guest appearance. Yeah, Rachel on does that. make a guest appearance. I think I'll probably mm. be doing some more tomorrow. The demand is just people oh, really yeah? want people want to see people know I got my hand on some coconuts. They want to know where them trees got planted, and so mm-hmm. like I am. Gonna... <laughs> they want to see how many turnips you have in that house. None. I I I. Oh, did you sell today? I cashed out today. I'll say uh, I did not have a good number. A gentleman does not uh, kiss and tell, but uh, <laughs> there was a great profit. So. I did not. I do not. I'm not there yet. Well, uh, anyway, this is this is for very. <laughs> this is uh, there's lots of people who are going to be turned off by this actively. So to those people, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Stay well. Drink lots of water. Stay inside. Wash your hands. Good for twenty seconds. I'm not your dad or anything, Mm -hmm. but I am and have been this whole time. Look inside your heart. You know it's true. Come on in. Come on. Come on. You want to go for a catch? Oh, that's not what they say. Want to go in for a catch, pal? Come here, sport. Got a ball with your name on it. (laughs) Got a glove with my name on it. It's time for a catch. Everything we have has our names on it. That's in this household. <laughs> Everything is labeled. You're my child. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.